Today's scripture reading comes from Philippians 1, verses 12 through 18. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has come become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I am in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of all this, I rejoice. This is the word of the Lord for us. The world was shocked when Russia invaded the Ukraine back in February. This invasion has, and conflict has resulted in tens of thousands of deaths. It has caused Europe's largest refugee crisis since World War II. Did you know that seven and a half million Ukrainians have fled the country? That of their entire uh, population, a third of them are now displaced. This invasion began on the morning of February 24th when Russian President Vladimir Putin announced this special military operation. It was only moments later that the airstrikes hit all across Ukraine, including the capital city of Kiev, followed quickly by the ground invasion that just came from multiple directions. This, of course, has continued for months. In fact, it was uh, just on September 30th that Russia officially annexed four Ukrainian regions. And that declaration, that move, represents a pretty major significant uh, escalation. Uh, so it is yet to be seen what's going to happen. Of course, the actions of Russia in this have received widespread international disapproval. Uh, the UN didn't take very long. It was in March that they condemned the invasion, that they demanded a full withdrawal of Russian forces. Now, even as I consider the, this uh, global uh, event that's been unfolding, I'm not going to pretend that I understand any of the uh, nuances or much of the uh, political or civil or economic implications or reasonings or rationale behind this war. But the reason I mention it is because it's clear that Russia was ready to invade, they were prepared, and then they advanced. They made their move. No warnings from the West or uh, sanctions from the UN or like Ukrainian roadblocks, which we were following in the early days of this conflict. None of those things were going to stand in their way. The tanks were in motion. You saw the picture a moment ago when the forces were kind of rolling in. Uh, the troops were advancing. We see the same word in our text for today. Uh, we're in the book of Philippians. I want you to have your Bibles with you, and you can go ahead and open there. But we see the same word in our scriptures this morning. It's this military word, and it's the word advance. It, it is when the signal has been given, right? It, it's the, the call to attack. It's that, it's that classic charge, advance. And we see this, only the reference here for us today, of course, is not an invasion of another nation. It is the advancement of God's kingdom. And what great joy that we find ourselves as followers of Jesus on the right side. We find ourselves on God's side. 
It's interesting what Jesus says in Matthew chapter, 18, chapter 16 and verse 18. Here's what our Lord said. He said, I will build my church. You remember these famous words of Jesus to Peter. I will build my church, church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. And so we are encouraged this morning, my friends, that God has called us to advance. He has called us to live boldly for Christ and to proclaim him to the world. So that is what we're going to talk about this morning. Let me introduce myself. I'm John. I'm just thrilled that you're with us today. And I pray that through our time together, your heart and home grow stronger in the Lord. If you missed last week, uh, we are starting a sermon series in the book of Philippians. Last week was the kickoff. We're continuing. This is week two out of nine. We're taking our time with this study. We really got the opportunity to go slow through this epistle, uh, basically verse by verse, and understand all of what's happening. I do think that this is an amazing study, and it's a timely one, because it encourages and even teaches us about contagious joy, something our world desperately needs. Our goal for this series is that we would discover the joy of following and serving Jesus. And as I say, this message of joy is one we need. I mean both, like, like the, this is a message the church needs, because we have Christ, he is our joy, and we need reminded of that. It's also a message that the world needs. They are helpless, they are depressed, they are lost without the good news of Jesus. That good news that the angel declared causes great joy for all people. So last week we were in Philippians chapter 1, we looked at verses 1 through 11. We learned about uh, how, uh, three ways to increase our joy. This morning we're going to go to the next section of chapter 1, verses 12 through 18, and see this clear call to advance the gospel. It's this wonderful invitation and encouragement to join Christ in his kingdom movement. By the way, if Jesus had a car, what kind of car do you think he would drive? Well, clearly a Chrysler. <laughs> so I hope you have your Bible with you this morning, Philippians chapter 1. Uh, even as we have the scriptures before us this morning with, with Philippians 1 open, or if you have your, uh, your phone with the Bible app, that's okay. You can kind of scroll. But, but I want us to, in, in some ways, uh, take a step back and, and look at this passage and just see the themes that leap off of the pages. Um, look for the word gospel. Philippians 1, we're looking specifically at verses 12 through 18. Look for the word gospel. So verse 12, we have this great charge, and the title of this sermon is Advance the Gospel. Now remember, that's a military term. It's God's kingdom has been set in motion. There's no stopping it. Uh, you may even remember from Matthew chapter 11, Jesus talking about from the time of John the Baptist uh, until now, the kingdom of heaven has been forcefully advancing. You may remember that scripture. So it's a military term about the advancement of the gospel. Verse 14, proclaim the gospel. Verse 17, he says, I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. That's another military term. We have the advancement, the attack, the, the, the charge of advancing the gospel. So that's when you go on the offensive. But then what do we have there? The defensive. In other words, be aware of what the enemy is doing and respond. 
So it's, it's fascinating, the language that Paul uses here that helps us understand that there is a spiritual battle that is just raging around us. And there are times where we take up the sword of the Spirit and we advance God's kingdom. There are other times where we take up the shield of faith to defend ourselves because of what the enemy is doing. You see, our enemy wants to keep us comfortable. I think I preached about that just recently, didn't I? That we are called, but so often we get lulled into comfort. Our enemy also wants to keep us distracted, by the way. How many of us in, in today's world, we're not fully present when we're with someone, when we're with our family, when we're with the Lord. The enemy wants to keep us comfortable and distracted. He wants to keep us busy. But there's really a sermon for each one of these that I don't have time for this morning. But the, the reason I mention those is simply to say, uh, Paul talks about the defense of the gospel and this language of, of the military. And of course, we know from scripture, we are to put on the full armor of God. We're to be prepared. So we're doing this quick kind of survey as we're looking at these verses in Philippians. We see the gospel three times. Now look for the phrase, preaching Christ. Preaching Christ. I see it in verse 15. Again in verse 17. And then in verse 18 it says, The important thing is that Christ is preached. I'll remind you that this letter was written by the Apostle Paul while he was in prison. While he was in chains. Not what he was planning. And maybe some of you can identify with that. Like you're facing a situation that you didn't see coming. It wasn't part of your uh, your planning process. Remember last week we talked about joy stealers, people, circumstances, worry that creeps into our hearts and minds. And remember, the solution is not to hire a professional worrier. <laughs> but what do you do when life throws you curveballs? What do you do when obstacles and challenges arise, when you face hardship? Well, what do the scriptures say? That's what, that's what we need to consider this morning. What do the scriptures say? And, and I'm submitting to you this morning that what I see from this passage in Philippians 1 is that we make our chains a channel for proclaiming Christ. We make our chains a channel for proclaiming Christ. So you have great joy, my friends, even in the trial. This is a great biblical truth for us today. That there is joy in our trials. That God is going to use your circumstances, sometimes good, sometimes bad. He's going to use those to spread the message of Jesus. And so rather than bemoaning our circumstances, we should rejoice that God is going to use them to share the good news of Jesus. And so we see this very clearly in verse 12 here. That Paul's chains have been an opportunity. His chains are a channel for, uh, for proclaiming the goodness of Christ, advancing the gospel. So look there at verse 12. What has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. Now, he's not just talking about this imprisonment. Uh, in fact, why don't, why don't we do this? Uh, let me rewind 10 years from where Paul, Paul is at today in, in chains, writing this letter. Let's rewind 10 years. Paul would be on his second missionary journey at that point. He is with his uh, friend and co-worker by the name of Silas. And 
they are led by the Holy Spirit into this city of Philippi. Right? So we understand that these are the recipients of this particular letter. So they go into Philippi, and there they meet Lydia. She was a merchant of expensive cloth. And Lydia listens to the message about Jesus, and, and she accepts Christ as her Savior. In fact, she, is, uh, she has this newfound faith, the, hearing the good news. She shares it with her family members. The result is her family gets saved as well, and they're all baptized. But not everyone in Philippi appreciates the message of the gospel. Um, in fact, Paul, there's, this, there's this scene where Paul casts a demon out of this girl who was used as a fortune teller. <laughs> and the ones who were basically her masters uh, realize they've lost the source of income. And so they have Paul and Silas arrested and severely beaten and thrown into prison. You can read all about this, by the way, in Acts chapter 16. But beating and imprisonment and great mistreatment didn't stop them from worshiping God. So in spite of the trials and those roadblocks, they began to pray and sing even while they were in stocks. So like wooden uh, things keeping them from moving while they were behind bars in prison. In fact, let's, let's turn there together. Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas in Philippi. They've, they've come to Philippi with, with the good news. Some of the people have heard and responded. Others are opposing them. They're in stocks. So Acts chapter 16, let's pick it up at verse 25. It says, about midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God, and the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly, there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. All at once, the prison doors flew open. Everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up, and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul shouted, don't harm yourself, we're all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you'll be saved. You and your household. And then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. At that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Remember, they'd been severely beaten. They'd been mistreated. He washed their wounds. And then immediately he and his, all, all his household were baptized. The jailer brought them into his house and set a meal before them. Now check out this part right here. We're in verse 34 of Acts 16. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God, he and his whole household. This guy is responsible for making sure the prisoners stay in jail. And by this miraculous act of God, the earthquake, not only do the doors fly open, but the stocks come off and the chains are all broken. But he hears the good news of Jesus. And so he's filled with joy. Now, I will say, when you've had Paul and Silas proclaiming the goodness of God at the top of their lungs and worshiping and singing and praying, I wonder if his heart had already begun to soften. It says that they were all listening to Paul and Silas as they did this. And the end result is joy. Because this man is saved. 
because his entire household chooses faith, they get baptized, and they're walking in obedience to Christ. Don't allow your circumstances to steal your joy. Make your chains a channel for proclaiming Christ. I want you to hear this, that God wants to use you right where you are. In your workplace, in your school, in your neighborhood, in your community, in this season of life. God wants to use you right where you are. Not someday when you get it all together. Not someday when you've resolved your problems. Not someday when you get more stable. Right here, right now, in the place God has you. Your trial can be a cause of great joy. Paul says in verse 13, back to Philippians chapter 1, of course, uh, it's become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I'm in chains for Christ. The way we understand it is these Roman guards would have taken shifts, probably six-hour shifts, being chained to Paul. And what did he do? He told him about Jesus. <laughs> he didn't grumble and gripe and complain. He didn't talk about the latest fads in sports and politics. He told him about Jesus. He proclaimed the goodness of God, even though he was being mistreated, even though he was the one being persecuted. And then eventually, he says, the whole palace guard had heard about Christ. So Paul trusted in God, even when his circumstances were challenging. And of course, we know then he, he writes in Romans 8, 28, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him and who have been called according to his purpose. This means that if we love God and we're called according to his purpose, God is going to work it out. God, in fact, God is going to weave everything we experience into, as the scriptures say, our good and his glory. Because of Paul's chains, many people heard about the life-giving power of Jesus. It was also during this time, I should point out, that he produced Ephesians, Colossians, Philippians, and Philemon. Were it not for this stint where he was unable to travel, he was unable to do his normal ministry that he, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, penned these New Testament letters that we study today. So it was not wasted time because God's kingdom continues to advance even through our trials. So God wants to use your circumstances. He wants to use your trials for his purpose. And so we have joy through them. Not because it's fun. Not because we wish to have that suffering. Of course not. So here's what James tells us in James 1, 2, and 3. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know. You know, he says. Don't pretend like you don't understand this. Don't pretend like, woe is me. Why is this happening? You know, James says, that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. So we realize the trials we face are the goodness of God. I often say it this way. When you're in school and you take a test, it's so that you can graduate and advance to the next level, right? That's the same way with the kingdom of God. When you face the test, it's not because God wants to hurt you, harm you, keep you down. It's because he's ready for you to step up. 
He's ready for you to graduate into spiritual maturity, into the next season, into the next trial, to use you to advance his kingdom, that your chains might even be a channel for the proclamation of the gospel. God is at work. He is at work in those circumstances that are challenging and difficult. He has placed you where he wants you, and he wants to use you. We often think of sharing Jesus with others as kind of scary and uncomfortable. But I want you to hear this truth this morning, that there is joy in sharing Jesus. There is great joy in sharing Jesus, that God does indeed want to use you in order to reach the lost. You know, you're influencing people. They're watching you. They're listening to you. They're picking up on and perceiving your attitudes. They're listening to your voice. So what's your message? People are listening to your voice. What's your message? We can't shirk our duty as followers of Jesus. And again, the the language used here is kind of this military language of like, join the ranks. (laughs) Get involved. Be on the front lines. You can't go MIA when the world needs to hear the good news of Jesus. And so if we look at Romans chapter 10, we know, we know the good news about uh, verse 13 where it says, Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But in the verses that follow, Paul asks this question, How then can they call on the one that they've not believed in? How can they believe in the one whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they're sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. Those are your feet and my feet. We are, we are a people sent. And so there is joy in sharing Jesus. The, the joy of evangelism, I always say, is contagious. So even if that's not your main gift, the, the way you're wired, it's contagious. So what happened when Paul, in chains mistreated and persecuted, chooses to proclaim Christ, it emboldened others to do the same. Right? So verse 14, Philippians chapter 1. Because of my chains, Paul says, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. This just gets me fired up. That... That sharing Christ and the joy of evangelism is contagious. This is boldness. We see what Paul is going through. We see our friend. We see our neighbor. We see that other person in our church family. And they're willing to share their story. And they're willing to speak about Jesus. And I become all the more willing to dare to do the same. This is boldness. It comes from the Holy Spirit inside you. Did you hear the one about the youth pastor who showed up to preach with a bald head? (laughs) Afterward, the pastor was like, no, 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 I told you to preach with boldness. (laughs) Boldness. I kind of have a dream to actually start a flight company that's exclusively for bald people. I think I'm going to call it Reseating Airlines. boldness, boldness, and it's contagious. It's when I see you doing what God has asked you to do and open your mouth and proclaim the goodness of God, and I go, well, I can do it too then. 
And I pray, church, I pray that God would bless you with opportunities to be bold for Christ, to share Jesus. Proverbs 28.1 says, The wicked flee though no one pursues, but the righteous are as bold as a lion. When we join God's kingdom cause, when we hear that call to advance, that sa- the sounding of the charge, and say, yes, I'm all in, lives are transformed by the power of the gospel, not because we are so eloquent or thoughtful or capable or good. I want to be clear on that. We're simply joining in with what Christ is doing. When we join in that charge, lives are transformed by the power of the gospel, and so we rejoice again. This is contagious joy, joy in our trials, joy when we share Jesus, and then joy when a sinner is saved. This is what the scripture says, that there's more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons. That God's heart is to see men and women, boys and girls come into saving faith, a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so we rejoice when a sinner is saved. No matter what the method of evangelism, right? And that's really what Paul kind of gets into in this next section, verses 15 through 18. He, he says there are people preaching the gospel for wrong reasons while he was in chains. So let's look there again. So Philippians 1, 15. He says, it's true that some people preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains, but what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached, and because of this, I rejoice. There is joy when a sinner is saved. I'll be the first to say that sometimes it's very tempting to bash other churches or ministries or pastors or groups, right? They don't do ministry the way we do it. But church, let's realign and and shift our thinking and our attitude there. They don't do ministry the way we do it. Praise God! (laughs) Because they're reaching people that we don't have much of an opportunity to reach. And conversely, we have an opportunity with people that maybe they would never connect with. So praise God that they don't do ministry the way we do. Verse 18, Paul says, what does it matter? The important thing is that Christ is preached. There was a famous preacher who once delivered a message at a big event. And afterward, there were lots of people who wanted to talk with him and have conversations. And one man came up with just a real quick, brief comment. And he said, I don't, I don't like the way you preach the gospel. And the pastor's response was, I don't like the way you didn't preach the gospel. I don't think he wanted to pick a fight. I don't think he he wanted to jab, jab the guy. But it's like, listen, I'm trying to promote Christ here. And if you don't like it, that's fine. Why don't you go do your own big tent revival? And so again, not, not in a spirit of snarkiness, in a spirit of unity. We say, yes. What does it matter? Christ is free. Ministry methods... And the way a ministry or church or group looks and operates is going to be different. And that's okay. So MCA, can we be a church who cheers on other local churches? 
Can, can we be a group who says, we're for the gospel. We're for the kingdom. Like we, we've got brothers and sisters here and we do ministry and we do life together. But we're not against other local churches. We, we support them. We cheer them on. Why? Because we celebrate when sinners are saved. So what does it matter, Paul says? The important thing is that Christ is preached. And because of this, like Paul, we choose to rejoice. We have great joy when sinners are saved. So simply put, Paul rejoiced when his friends preached the gospel. And Paul rejoiced when, when his enemies preached the gospel. People who, who were genuinely trying to stick it to him. Who were trying to put him down, take advantage while he was locked up. But what a great image we have from these beautiful verses in scripture this morning. That, that when the gospel spreads, God's kingdom advances almost like troops in a war. Forcefully advancing, Matthew 11 says. Oh, what good news. What wonderful news. That though we have sinned, we've fallen short of God's perfect plan, that he restores us. That he continues to, to invite us to serve him, to follow him, to know the great joy of walking with Jesus. What great news that while we were still sinners, the scriptures say, Christ died for us. And that through the shed blood of Jesus, only through the shed blood of Jesus, can we be made right with God and walk in loving communion with him. That he calls us to live life by faith and not by sight. That one day Jesus is coming back. <laughs> like this is the good news. That one day our Lord is going to return. He's going to call the righteous to himself. And all those who are redeemed are going to be welcomed into his kingdom forevermore. Spending paradise with God our creator. A place where there's no more hurting or suffering or heartache or pain. The kingdom of heaven is advancing. I want to proclaim that very clearly this morning. You know, it's easy for us to look at our world and sort of start to wring our hands. Like, oh, the world is such a bad place. It's such a terrible place. The darkness maybe is winning. I want us to hear this this morning. Yes, we, are, we live in a dark world. We are surrounded by a culture that neither recognizes God nor wants to serve him. But the kingdom of heaven is advancing. Whether we choose to get on board or not, I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not overcome it. The kingdom of heaven is advancing. And again, the way we share Christ may be different from the way others do it, but we, we still press on. We're going to work tirelessly to make Christ known. So church, here again, this clear call to advance the gospel. And I'm praying that the Lord would give us great joy, a contagious joy, even in our trials, even in the hardships, give us great joy and give us boldness as we discover this great joy of sharing the life-giving power of Jesus with the world that so desperately needs it. Would you join me in a word of prayer? Heavenly Father, we hear your call this morning. We're inspired by the example of Paul. We're challenged by these scriptures. 
that aren't the invention of a human, but they're God-breathed. And so, Lord, may you find us obedient, ready and willing to follow you and to step onto the front lines of your kingdom advancing to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, and to take our stand against the evil one. Lord, would you help us to rejoice even in the trial? Would you help us to rejoice as we share Christ and as we see sinners being saved? And oh Lord, we're grateful for the many churches in our region who are faithful to proclaim the gospel and make disciples. Lord, we lift them up to you asking your blessing. Give them wisdom. Give them strength. For the Fredericksburg Church of Christ, bless them, help them. For the Fredericksburg Presbyterian Church, provide their every need, Lord. For for so many others, Shalom Fellowship, Sunlight Chapel, Freedom Fellowship, New Life Fellowship, Freedom Road Church, Freiburg Christian Fellowship, St. John's, Emmanuel Fellowship, Moorhead, Fairlawn, Gospel Haven, Light in the Valley, Grace, Berean, Pleasant View. Mercy Hill, so many other churches, Lord, who are preaching the gospel. And so we say, yes, Lord. Would you even be stirring up revival in our region, O God? Stirring hearts that men and women, boys and girls, would come into the saving knowledge of you and choose you as Savior and Lord. And we pray for MCA, that we would be fruitful, that we would be bold, That we would love one another in a way that's undeniable to the world. That those must be followers of Jesus. That you would loosen our tongues to proclaim your goodness in all the places that we are sent. So that your kingdom would continue to advance. Thank you, O God. We want to be on your side. We've read the end of the story, Lord. We know that you are victorious. That you are mighty. That you are stronger. So, Lord, we join with you in what you're doing, the kingdom would advance, that the gospel would go forth. We thank you, Lord, for the transformation you've done in our own hearts and lives. We pray it only in Jesus' precious name. Amen.